Coffee is so good. Oh my god, yes. Coffee is my only true friend. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is in coffee. I don't get it. Hello, everyone. Hello. Welcome to I Don't Get It, a podcast about performance in Edmonton. I'm Fonda. I'm Paul, and we are part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered Powered by by ATB. Nice. Nailed that double take. (laughs) How are you, Fonda? I'm great. How are you, Paul? I'm great. All right. So, um, well, we had a bit of a busy week. Let's yeah. let's get right into it. The season is in swing. The and... season is in swing and it's snowing in September. <laughs> what a world. Uh, yes. And uh, to start things off, speaking of snowing in September, we saw uh, an outdoor show, a site-specific show uh, called Shakespeare's Will, yeah. which was presented by Thou Art Here Theatre. Um, and takes place in the historic Edmonton Cemetery, um, sort of around like 107th Ave and other streets. 107th and like, it's like 118th or something. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's actually one of the only cemeteries in the world that has four lanes of traffic driving through it. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Kind of a kind of a thing. Right. And for anyone going to the show, you are on. You will meet at the south side of the north part of the graveyard on the north side of one hundred seventh. Yeah. Um, so Shakespeare's Will was a play that um, was commissioned by the Free Will Players mm-hmm. uh, in back in two thousand two mm-hmm. um, by you know Edmonton's well loved playwright Vern Thiessen. Um And yeah. So what? Well, what? What sort of is the premise of the show, Paul? The the premise of the show is it is technically a, a one person show here it's been split into five five characters sort of sharing that role but it is uh the wife of william shakespeare uh, anne hathaway uh and and sort of looking at their life together and and not together and sort of um the life she had as the as the wife of this playwright who sort of started as a nobody but but found found acclaim and praise and started coming home less and less and you know living with his work in the city while she lived with their children raising their children in the country yeah and throughout um throughout both of their lives together anne really begins realizing that the bill that she married is not really not not really, you know, kind of the best thing for her. Um, she talks a lot about their children um, and how she ends up raising the children on her own, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and that in the end, um, what the show, you know, is about is the... Um, Anne is reflecting on Bill after he's passed away. Right. Because there's the this issue of his will. Right, right. The, the name of the play seems like a double entendre to me in that it's both Shakespeare's will, but it's also like Shakespeare's will, as in William Shakespeare. Who who really was this? We have the name Shakespeare that we all know, but it's also there was a very human person mm-hmm. who was flawed and, uh, and not great to his wife. Yeah. Uh, in a lot of ways. Yeah, because there's, there's a lot of stories about Shakespeare's life. Um, you know, think about Shakespeare in Love or um, some of the other show, um, movies and films that have been made about him. Um, you know, just kind of like be- being a playwright and what it was like to live in London at the time. And Ooh. the reality is that his family didn't even live with him. Right. Um, Anne and the kids lived out in the country. <laughs> right. <laughs> or in Stratford, I sure, guess. yeah. Yeah. And um, in any case, so the play is um, in, in this production was broken. Um, Anne's character was broken into five sort of like almost chorus members. Yeah. Um, and they uh, they did all of the women in the show did a really beautiful job um, of movement, um, choral work. The singing mm-hmm. was really beautiful. Yeah. Uh, like some of the harmonies were just kind of more um, 
atmospheric. Like they weren't always singing, you know, words or poetry. They were actually just kind of like making tones and making a sound, like a soundscape mm-hmm. for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, I think, um, what did you think, Fonda, of, of the setting and, and placing placing this in a graveyard? What uh, what effect did that have on the show and how did that work theatrically as, as it were? Yeah, I think that it worked fantastically. Um, mm-hmm. Doing a show like this in a graveyard, you're talking about, uh, you're, you're talking about an in memoriam of someone, mm-hmm. right? So they're, 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 it, it's not nostalgic, but they're, you know, thinking about his life, thinking about what happened and, you know, be just being in the graveyard, walking between headstones and things like that. Um, you know, you're following a roving show mm-hmm. uh, through this. They kind of, they, they sort of broke it into uh, six or seven different parts where you would sort of rove for a bit, kind of get placed Point in down. a certain setting and then, um, and then continue on. Um and so, and they did some really interesting things with lights. They used some umbrellas and lighting um, because as the show goes on, it gets darker. Of course, right, yes. it just gets darker outside. I, I, you know, I, I, I really do want to point out. I felt terrible that the weather was so bad for their run. Mm-hmm. Um, it was cold. It was cold. And I really hope that they revive it and do it in the spring or sometime when there's like good weather. But you know, um, you'd think in September you'd be safe from snow. Fonda. I know. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, even, well, I guess even, you know, like the Shakespeare in the Park in June sometimes is always, this could, could also be terrible weather. Sure. I just say but, make sure as if you're going to the show that you dress for the weather that it will be at the end of the show because you start with the sun up, but it does cool quite a bit at this time of year once once the sun sets. Yeah, and um, I I think I think this weekend they ended up having to um, cancel a couple of showings just mm-hmm. because yep. of the snow and the condition of the ground because the da- uh, the performers are rolling around in the grass and you know um, yeah you'd be soaked by the end of the show. Sure, actually. yeah. Um, but uh, it was interesting the way that they worked out the timing with the way the sun did go down and where they had to place the end of the show, which had a lot better lighting than the rest of the cemetery. Right, right, right. Um, so, you know, and it, and it did kind of, um, the way that they kind of shaped the show around the actual setting they were working with was really well done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was sort of like, as far as why this site, you know, where it could, why couldn't it just be any any old park? It sort of felt like that was very much the, the metaphor of the show was visible in, as you trundled around this, this graveyard, being very careful not to step on graves and, mm-hmm. and showing some modicum of, of respect for the space. But, uh, but yeah, sort of this sense of... Um, uh, this is about this is a ghost story in a lot of ways. It's about remembering someone and the after effects of 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 them on on this person who is very close to them. Yeah. How did you feel about how they broke up the characters? Like for most of the show, we were all together as an mm-hmm. audience and together with all of the performers. Sure. Um, and, but there was one part of the show where they broke off into different groups. Yeah. Um, uh, one thing I really liked about that was that um, even though you were sort of with one person, you could sort of everyone was doing the same part effectively. They were still saying the same lines. Um, and so in the distance, you could sort of hear like little accents of other people doing it. Like this mm-hmm. line would flourish or this line had a lot of emotion. And either you'd already heard it and you were like, ooh, yeah, that's that's how we feel. <laughs> um, so it had this nice like echoey effect, which if we think of um, this is sort of, again, a ghost story in memories. It sort of felt like that. Uh, I almost wonder why there wasn't more of that in the show if we're going to do that once. It sort of felt like, why didn't we split more. Yeah, especially if you know that they're all working with the exact same script. Mm-hmm. Um, unlike uh, some other roving shows where when you follow one character, you know you're missing out on something right, else. Right, right, right. Um, whereas this one, you knew exactly what was happening was the same for all of them. I, I did appreciate um, that sort of like 
punctuated part where Anne imitates her father, mm, um, who yeah. was always like, Jesus Christ in heaven, something. I don't, it was, yeah. it was like a, always a, just a very loud yell mm-hmm. um, or yeah. loud shouting. Um, and you could really hear that echoing through each each performer as they right, did that Right, right, as it came up. You were mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, okay, here. We've heard three of them, two more to come yeah. in, the, in the distance. Yeah. Um, well, so, so that was uh, Shakespeare's will. Thou Art Here um, has been doing a lot of different sort of takes on Shakespeare, um, like yeah. site-specific, but also puppetry and fun things. So it's kind of neat to see a Shakespeare company doing something um, a little bit different. Right, rather than just being like, ah, now it's set in World War II. Now it's set in uh, the world of cats. Or we're going to, like, you know, throw away with the gender-based casting. We're going to do something different. Cool. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Good. You know what? Ta- you know what, Paul? It's it's uh it's time for an ad. Yeah. We heard some great news this week for the Alberta Podcast Network. Um, some familiar names in the nominations uh, for the Canadian Online Publishing Awards presented by Masthead Magazine were Let's Find Out, Chris Chang and Phillips' show answering questions about Edmonton's history. That was nominated for Best Podcast in the Consumer Category. And the Well Endowed Podcast, an affiliated podcast created by our friends at Edmonton Community Foundation, uh, was nominated for Best Podcast in both the consumer and business categories. And our very own producer, Andrew Paul, also produces that show. So congrats, everyone. Uh, for more info on these podcasts and all of APN's podcasters, visit albertapodcastnetwork.com. So, uh, so um, I wasn't able to make it to the next one, Paul, but what, what else did you see this week? I went to the opening night of Brian Webb Dance Company's 40th season, uh, which was a double bill of, of works um, under the Prairie Dance Circuit, so sort of this show that, that tours uh, between a bunch of a bunch of different regional companies and theaters. Um, but it was split between uh, Jerry Morita of Mile Zero Dance uh, and, a, and a collective doing uh, a show called uh, Secondhand Dances for a Crude Crude City, uh, which was inspired by SNFU's Chai Pig and the punk scene and sort of the idea of altered states in in music and, and live music. The other one was called It Began With Watching, which was uh, by Klotzel & Co., uh, a company founded in New York City but now based in Calgary. Yeah. Uh, although the, the bill happened in opposite order as I just described it. It started with It Began With Watching uh, for reasons that became clear uh, at the end of the SNFU piece, which we'll, we'll get to in a bit. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so It Began With Watching, to start at the beginning, uh, is all sort of about the, the world of, of fake news and alternative facts and, and sort of the spin cycle that we, that we have. So it starts with um, uh, seven dancers on stage just sort of staring at you. In suits, business sort of business casual suits, not business casual like suited suits, um, and sort of a bit of flocking, a bit of slow like movement. A hand gesture becomes a full-on fascist salute, um, which is sort of a, a thing we come back to. But so it sort of starts with these like flocking games. The, they spill out into the audience at one point, shake everyone's hands, say a lot of uh, nonsense business jargon um, is another sort of thing, like the meaninglessness of, of the words that, mm-hmm. that come out. Uh, but then one of them sort of separates uh, and is sort of the one who it starts with, I began with observing um, and starts to be about how this person can manipulate this group and what that looks like and how that works. And so it, it takes the shape of... Um, a lot of uh, almost parodic, like physically physical parody in a sense. Like the words are, are very repetitive and similar that do come out. The text is sort of the sequence of, of nonsense business terms of like, oh, at the end of the day, it is what it is, yada, yada, yada. 
Um, but this person sort of parroting them and making them, these ones sing and now these ones do it and then doing these motions. Um, yeah, and it felt in some ways like truly physical theater in the sense of not just trying to disguise contemporary dance under a different name, but mm. in the sense of there was a story being told, we were seeing these effects, but it was really playing out in the body. The physicalization of, of these commands and how they were executed uh, was real, uh, real, real big. There was sort of like, it was puppetry. It was this person literally pulling, figuratively pulling the strings of these other of these other people. Interesting. So there's there's a lot of like um, actual vocalization happening during the show. Was there any other kind of soundtrack? Uh, yeah, there was sort of a like an unsettling sound score, mm. um, sort of playing out. Sometimes it would be like almost circus music again in the more literal puppety moments. Uh, but even then, sometimes it would be like waltzes or classical, but sort of tweaked, sort of tinged to feel just a little off kilter. Um, yeah, yeah, and it, it very blunt. It lists a line of dictators. Donald is one of them, you know, who comes out. So, so very, very on the nose for this, uh, for for sort of our current state of things. But to watch how they interpreted that in the body, there was moments when sort of uh, the leader would sort of be like guiding them to sort of hop in almost child's pose. So it was you know seven or eight people hopping like forehead and, and legs on the ground Whoa. um <laughs> after after that first sequence where they were in full business casual they kept their tops but then they were pantsless um and they were all wearing knee braces and it was like oh yeah great yeah that's makes sense but then it was like watching the actual motions they were doing and what they were having to do it was like oh yes those are necessary you need those <laughs> mm-hmm. okay cool well um that's interesting i'm um well because they're in calgary now i'm probably i'm sure hopefully we'll be able to see more of them come through um what about the second piece yes um how was that that was this so this was jerry marita's piece in inspired by chai pig from snfu what you know so paul for for those who don't know what what is snfu sure uh, snfu is sort of a legendary canadian punk band um they began in edmonton uh ended up sort of being based in vancouver for a while and and chai pig is sort of their their legendary front man sort of um both in terms of performances, he sort of is this incredible performer, uh, but also he's he's lived a life of a lot of uh, personal up and down and a lot of sort of uh, damage and struggle. Um, and he's still alive. He's still there. There were video clips of him during the show singing some songs, which we'll get to. Um, but yeah, so so a punk band and sort of trying to not interpret that through dance per se, uh, so this one, it made sense why why the bill was opposite because this one had a full set. There was a ping pong table. There was a full band on stage. The band mm-hmm. Repair and Replace, the band Rebuild and Repair, mm-hmm. uh, were the were the live band who did a did a couple songs throughout the piece. Uh, lots of garbage and sort of trash strewn about. The Making projections mess, were yeah. happening on a tarp basically that was hung. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and that that mess only only built as it went on. So starting with, you know, uh, some of the, those, that music, uh, it wasn't the movement itself, if we're talking about the show, was more of uh, moshing and watching moshing and watching what it's like to sort of be affected by this sort of music and what that, how that plays out. On sort of the two, quote, dancers in the show were, were Jerry and uh, Stacey Merchinson. And, and then there was a bunch of other, other folk who filtered in and out to fill various roles playing ping pong, having a mosh pit, 
trashing the stage, which happened at the end. <laughs> they full on threw, you know, printers on the ground and smashed them with hockey sticks, <laughs> rolled around in snacks. Like it got it got very messy. Right. And it was about sort of that idea of, of what is this and, and this feeling and what does this music sort of make us do when we sort of enter the state of like, oh, yeah, I'm, this punk show is where I'm at. This music affects me. How does it affect me? Mm-hmm. It was, it's, you know, Jerry Morita seems to be going through some interesting phase of her kind of like choreo- choreographic um, artistry and career. Mm-hmm. She, um, the last like number of years, her the big shows that I've seen have featured, you know, themes like hoarding. And, uh, you know, well, there was the Denim Company one where there was like, you know, like hundreds of pairs of jeans on yeah, like yeah, denim yeah. in the stage with them. So, or, so you know, that was kind of um that's kind of interesting. I would have really liked to see this um show. So would the um would SNFU have done sort of similar type of stage stuff? How do you feel that that was kind of informing what was happening? Sure. I think uh, as far as the band on stage, um I don't think they are SNFU, obviously, um, but they sort of have a certain aesthetic to them and a certain sound that they could absolutely uh, pull off. Uh, and then uh, the two, quote, dancers in the show, again, Jerry and, and Stacy, were more of people at those shows. It was the people who were being affected by that music and how they were being affected. Um, yeah, and I think, uh, so the first one was sort of them on opposite sides of this, this very messy stage, um, just sort of like... What do you do by yourself at a concert? You know, <laughs> how do you move? So seeing that when you're really into a song, and then the second sort of phase of it uh, was more of a mosh pit, full on. There were more people. It was more of more of that, which to me is always always a tricky thing, in that uh, punk music and and that scene and and that uh, thing has such a visceral energy, mm-hmm. uh, but when it's put on a stage and you can't join it. Uh, there's sort of uh, it's sort of a, a distance that sort of grows where you feel like you're, you're watching the thing and you if you were in it you could get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but so that was sort of a, a moment that sort of lost me a bit. It was just sort of like yeah we're we're moshing I get that I can see that, um, but I don't feel it in the way that you're feeling it because you're the ones who are doing it. Right. And even at a concert, if you go to a punk concert, you know, and you don't want to be in the mosh pit, you're always aware of the mosh pit um, <laughs> because the people in the mosh pit are really, really going Cause, wild. Because you could get really hurt if yeah. you're not. <laughs> yeah, you've got to be uh, aware of how the people are throwing each other around. But then – and then the third sort of – then afterwards, there's this really beautiful phase of slowness. It's almost like the, the euphoria of um, – the effect of, of why we do this and why we put our bodies through this state of like what it does and how, how that makes us feel. Um, where it was very slow movement. Jerry was wearing a, a pig mask, which is something that Chai Pig, uh, similar to a hat that Chai Pig often, often wears, but wearing a pig mask and doing very slow, um, slow movement uh, and exploratory. Ended up with doing sort of like a handstand on a toilet, which was also on stage. Um, and then the third part, which was sort of the total destruction of everything, was uh, was the strongest. It was sort of that that chaos of what this is and the feeling of it and how that can sort of consume a group in a scene in a moment um, was very was very powerful in that. There were two clips of Chai Pig singing that were recorded for this show. Mm. Um, one of them was him doing an SNFU song. Uh, and one of them was him doing Johnny Cash's cover of Hurt. Oh, uh, wow. And yeah, and if you have ever seen Chai Pig, if you Google him after listening to this, uh, you can see his history in his face. There's a lot of, of, of that. And so to see him in this sort of recording session and how he animates and how he sings, and even the moments when he's not, when he sort of cuts out for four bars for this, 
um, it's powerful. It's really powerful to see the other effects of this scene and what it can be. Not necessarily, but but what can be part of it is sort of this this uh, yeah consequence of of this lifestyle for for too long. Wow, There's lots of drugs in Chai Pig's history. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's kind of neat how they so they actually got they recorded him just for this piece. Yeah, in in the talkback, it seemed like originally the plan had been that he might come here to have that recorded, but that didn't didn't end up playing out. So they managed to put together these sort of uh, film sessions in in Vancouver for it. Oh wow! Cool. Yeah, and and so in the talkback, uh, yeah, it was interesting. Um, Stacey Merchantson, the other dancer, talked about how interesting it was to be um, asked to be uh, hired as a dancer but then told not to dance, per se, Mm -hmm. um, and what that was like. And, and yeah, Jerry sort of talked about the idea of altered states and this music and how it affects you. The idea of nostalgia came up, and they they weren't very interested in that. It wasn't so much a nostalgic exercise as it was sort of looking at, like, yeah, this music still affects people. These scenes still go. This sort of music is still very prevalent and prominent, and when it – it's not for everyone, but the people it is for, like, it really gets you, I think. Cool. Well, good work, Paul. Going to see the dance shows all on your own oh, now. Oh, look at me go. <laughs> um, sounds like time for another ad. It is. Coming soon to the Alberta Podcast Network is Otherwise, a variety podcast dedicated to empowering diverse communities living on Treaty 6 territory. By sharing stories of lived experiences, this show strives to highlight our collective ethno-cultural linguistic diversity and heritage and reflect on who we are as a city and bring about positive social change. For more info and to listen to their introductory episode where Ahmed Ali and Karen Tang explain the who, what, where, and whys of otherwise, visit otherwiseshow.com. All right, so there were a couple of other things that happened, um, not necessarily on the stages this week, but we did want to just um, point out some news, some news things. Yes, um, so the Up and Downtown Festival announced the cancellation of one of their headliners, Michael Graves. Um, who is Michael Graves? Michael Graves is a former singer of sort of a reincarnation of the misfits um he was sort of known for that now he obviously has a solo solo career uh but what got him canceled is uh the organizers of up and downtown festival were were made aware of sort of his social media presence um sharing a lot of conspiracy and sort of hateful hateful things in among his promotions and you know band sort of things uh, and so that that's what ended up getting him pulled from the bill was sort of these these things he was helping propagate. So then um, what was even more interesting and also fed more into a social media storm was that the Starlight Room kept the booking for on, on their own as as the venue. Um, and with and they came out and they made a statement saying um, say that, uh, you know, kind of propping up freedom of speech, things like that, that they want, you know, like um, diverse voices, multiplicity of voices, um, and that, you know, they they didn't really see that they were doing anything um, untoward in keeping him on their bill. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> so we'll, so we'll, we could just, we'll leave you with that to think about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would just say that, you know, like uh, freedom of speech does not mean freedom of consequence. And if you're going to mm-hmm. share things that are um, very uh, troubling conspiracies, yeah, there there might be consequences to that. Mm-hmm. And maybe there should be. Yeah. Um, 
in other news, up and downtown uh, has Tanya Tagak also headlining, which is going to be super yeah. cool. Um, so the other bit of news that was kind of also interesting was that the big old orange building um, that was the old Grant McEwen campus on the West End um, it has been going through a little bit of trouble with some of their renters uh, who, as it turns out, this now city-owned building um, has outpriced some of its arts and nonprofit tenants. Right, right, right. So it was part of... Uh, no? Oh, yeah. Andrew's right. just shaking his head. <laughs> yeah, what a, what a thing. So, so sort of reusing that space and repurposing that space to be viable for artists was part of the city's last 10-year plan, the Art of Living. Yeah, the um, Edmonton Arts Council's last 10-year culture and heritage plan. Right, because yeah. McEwen is no longer part of that. It's now city-owned, and it's looking to be used in, in that way. And previously, it was being used maybe like once a year, once or twice a year, by by outside companies. Yeah, Brian Webb used to do almost his whole seasons there, mm-hmm. but that was like, well, you know, over five years ago now, I'm sure. But in any case, it's just kind of another example of something that should be seemingly great and accessible and good for the arts community, but the city is running it in a way and city administration. I'm sure that councillors usually have no idea what's going on mm-hmm. when it comes to this sort of thing. But it was another example of kind of like how the Heritage Festival got kicked out of one of their city storage facilities this summer. Right. Um, or almost did. They ended up walking that decision back. But we're going to gonna have to be. Right. Exactly. So it's just kind of like, you know, even, you know, in my experience, even working as an arts administrator on festivals and things like that, sometimes you get this experience where one hand of the city is not not talking to the other and departments get mixed up and it ends up that like the little guy you know the nonprofit can't keep up like can't work it out with them right so. because yeah like the the orange uh, building is is pretty far away it's a bit of a trek it's not like it's a hotbed of you know in downtown or white ave or, or one of these spots that attracts lots of people uh, like it will attract people um, certainly, but they have to be willing to drive, and it is in in the West End, which isn't isn't to everyone in the arts community's uh, range and reach to be mm-hmm. able to get mm-hmm. out there. It'll be interesting to see what happens when the LRT does start going over there, because maybe this building will then see some new life. But for now, it's it the the truth is that no one can afford to be there. Right. Yeah. So yeah. So that's a bummer. Too bad. Um, we also heard that Latitude Fifty Three has announced an interim uh, executive director. Um, this was, uh, and this is actually just uh, for a period of one year. There, so that that posting is still out there. They're still looking for someone to eventually take that over. Uh, yeah, Michelle Schultz, who has been involved with uh, running DC3, uh, another sort of great art space in town, is that one-year interim artistic director, uh, artistic director, interim executive director at Latitude 53. Cool. Um, uh, on, a, on a sadder note, we heard that Ken Agrel smith passed away this week. Um, if you didn't go to Harry Ainley High School, <laughs> you may not know who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was a drama teacher there for many years and taught generations of Edmonton's actors, playwrights, directors. Um, all over Facebook, you saw, you know, sort of condolence postings and memories of, of Agrel, as, as they, he was fondly called. Right. As someone who didn't grow up here, I was surprised at the sheer breadth 
of of people who he's affected and you know who who learned from him at some point and were very grateful for uh, for what he did. Yeah, and even those who didn't, um, who weren't his students, he retired in two thousand five, but um, he did continue to be a patron and supporter of the arts for all those years afterward, um, up until um, his passing this last week. So um, we found one of his uh, students from his very last year of teaching, Leanna McCook, left us a special message just about him. I had as well as a high school drama teacher for one year before he retired, and he had a huge impact on me. And I can imagine the impact he had for those who had him for all of their high school life. <laughs> he, he treated his students with intellectual and artistic respect and taught us to revere the power of theater. I mean, who else can rally teenagers to worship Bertolt Brecht and like, the ancient Greeks? But even after 10 years, he was coming to my plays and campaigning me to keep going kiddo. And he did this for a lot of his former students and the community in general. I... Uh, he was a sort of paternal mentor for our community, not just his former students, and he will be missed. All right, Paul. What's happening? What's coming up? Listings. Okay. Uh, Nuit Blanche, the sort of... Um all-night art party uh, that happens in various places around the world uh, is happening in Edmonton Saturday, September 29th at various locations. So so check that out. Google Nuit Blanche. Cool. Um, uh, BJM Dance is um, opening Alberta Ballet's season with Dance Me. It's their piece on um, the, the music of Leonard Cohen. Leonard Cohen. <laughs> uh, that's uh, that's uh, September 28th and 29th at the Jubilee. Uh, also starting this week is Play the Fool Festival, sort of a, a festival dedicated to clown and physical theater. Uh, that's happening all at the Backstage Theater from uh, Thursday the 25th until uh, Sunday the 27th. Cool. Um, Once is running at the Jubilee Auditorium. No, Once is running at the Citadel. Yeah. Right. Last time I saw it, it was at the Jube. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, now the Citadel season is opening with Once, which you're going to go see right away. Yeah, like today. Uh, and then uh, Skirts on Fire uh, is Teatro La Cundicina's uh, last show of their, their spring to fall season, which starts this weekend at the Varscona Theater. Great. Um, well, that's I guess that's all we have for this week, everyone. Yeah, that's a lot of stuff. That was yeah, yeah, that's a lot. The season is the season is really amping up. So um, if you don't like the snow, go inside and watch a show. Yeah, or brave it and go see a show that's outside. That too. <laughs> Bye. I don't get it. Is a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or check us out on albertapodcastnetwork.com or the CKUA radio app. I Don't Get It is recorded on Treaty 6 territory in Edmonton, Alberta in the Edmonton Community Foundation's podcast studio. Our theme music is Mountain Time by Ghibli and you can find more of Ghibli's music by going to ghibli.bandcamp.com. I Don't Get It is produced by Andrew Paul, Fonda Mithrush, and Paul Blenov. Sit here thinking, I love you.